0: knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is gonna be David in this shadow. Goliath is gonna be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it Doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's gonna kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death?
1: And welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp, and I have my co-host with me, Ashley Glasek. And Ashley, a couple weeks ago, we talked about dropping our tagline, you know, a podcast for women. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe we should have our audience, like, send in possible new taglines.
2: Yeah, we just love our male listeners. And I think I said on Twitter yesterday, someone asked... Are you a podcast just for women? And I said no, because Colleen and I are so smart. Why wouldn't <laughs> Why wouldn't men be listening to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. We need a new tagline because we. I think we started off thinking only women would listen. I think that's what we yeah. thought, right? And, the-
1: and I think also, I think. I mean, that some of the people on the network think that that when it comes to theology and that sort of thing, that men should not learn from women, but you and I do not hold that we don't, view.
2: No, we don't agree with that. We think men can learn from women. We just don't think women have authoritative roles in the church.
1: Right, so. women should not be pastors and preaching mm-hmm. in the church and exercising authority over men. But in one thing I think about a lot too is how often on Facebook or even Twitter where you get in theological discussions. Yeah, all the time. Right. And I, a lot of times what what we talk about here is no different than something we might discuss with a man on Facebook, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we'll have to have a a new tagline. My brother-in-law, he told me, said, you need to come up with a new tagline. So he was trying to be funny. He said, you can be the podcast for thinking people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I feel Um, like that sounds like one that already exists. You know what? It actually, my, my
1: brother-in-law's organization has the Thinking Fellows podcast. So I think yeah. they might have something like that. But I think that may be similar to something that somebody else has too. Yeah. Might be right. So
2: we are no longer a podcast for women. We just both happen to be women. And, you know, occasionally we do do podcasts that probably not a lot of men are interested in, but they certainly can listen, you know. So yeah, that's right. I think
1: I've gotten actually quite a bit of feedback From men. I had mentioned, well, on Twitter yesterday, today is, we tape early, but so on Twitter recently, I'll say, Tim Hurd put a link of our podcast and said, the podcast for women or something like that. And someone decided to put a, a poll about whether or not, and it was for, the poll was for people who, um, for people who believe women should not be pastors and have authority in the church, but do they think like a podcast and those sorts of things that men can learn from women? And I think it was overwhelmingly that, yes, men can benefit from women.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So I, I did something kind of fun in the group. I It was the first time I did this, but now Facebook in the groups has this new group stats sort of thing. Like and analytics. Yes. I think that's actually what it's called. That's I was couldn't think of the word. And so I decided to post just one screen from that, which actually showed the the age, the the greatest age group. And I think it's like in the I think 20, it was my age group, right? Yeah. I think it was like 25 to 34 or something was the greatest. Yeah. And and I had mentioned I said I can actually now even see who are the most active women in the group. And I didn't want to embarrass anyone by posting. Yeah, you are the number one most active person in the group. But I said, if you want to know where you are on the list, I'd be happy to, to tell you. And the girls she were like, fun. "I want to know! I want to know!" It only shows up to ninety-two, but they, we had a lot of fun with that. And then mm-hmm. one girl, she was number two. So <laughs> um, now, yesterday, but my now she's or something. yeah. We we've, we've got to give it. A shout out to her, I think, because mm-hmm. she's she's she was number two yesterday, but she was number one last week, and she was back to number one today, wow. and and that is Hannah, and so Hannah I just Oliver, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so whatever. I think we have yeah. to give a shout out to her. Yes. For she really really does add a lot to our group and has a lot of great things to say. So she
2: asks very good questions. Really. Yes, she does. Her questions, yeah. She really does, and you know i i did
1: wonder though something on the age um you know showing the ages one of my friends who's in her 40s said how do they know my age and i do think that younger women are more apt to put their birth year on facebook Mm. than older women so i think we might have a at least a greater percentage than it shows of women maybe in my age range which would be Mm. like you know 40s yeah Um, you know i was thinking about this when one of the girls Some of the, I think sometimes women that are a little bit older, like, you know, oh no, I stopped at 29 or that sort of thing. But you know what? I'm actually totally fine with being 44 and people knowing it. I have a 21 year old son. So obviously, (laughs) and people are going to know that unless I had this child when I was 12, that.
2: Yeah. He's on the tail end of the millennials, right? Isn't he? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: You're closer in age to my kids than you are to me.
2: (laughs) Yes. But that's why our show is so fun. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, okay. Did you know, though, that so millennials, so Facebook came out when us millennials were in high school and college. And so Facebook was first kind of a millennial thing because just, you know, we were the age group that was using it because initially it was a college thing. Right. Um, but nowadays, the kids, like the kids that, kids these days, you know, um, the kids I teach do not use Facebook at all. So, and, and then, you know, after it became a college thing, a lot of, you know, Gen Xers and Boomers started using it as well. Um, but kids younger than like 18 aren't really using Facebook that much at all.
1: Yeah. I saw something. I think my age group is actually one of the largest age groups. Of yes. I think group. now.
2: Yeah. When now. it started, it was like when it started, you had to put what college you were a part of right? because that was part of the connection was, oh, you go to Harvard, you go to yeah, um, this college. And so I remember getting one. I got a Facebook when I was in 11th grade and my friend told me, you're not even supposed to have one. You know, <laughs> you're not in college yet. but." After a while it just became like everybody had a Facebook. But yeah, yeah, I asked my students, okay, you don't use Facebook. What do you do? Oh, we do Instagram. And they do a lot of Snapchat. Snapchat.
1: That's what my boys do. Which
2: yeah. And then they, they can chat through Snapchat. Like, yep. like send messages and stuff. It's so it's just it's so funny. Like I'm only removed from them like ten to fifteen years and yet they just started in something completely different. And, okay, so some of our listeners, I hope we have listeners that are my age that will remember MySpace. I had a MySpace, You had a MySpace? Okay. Yes, I did. MySpace was a very big deal when I was in middle school and high school. It was a very big deal. And then Facebook just kind of phased MySpace out. But I have some nostalgia for MySpace where you could have your top eight friends, which is horrible, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're like these are my top eight people, and guess what? You're not in the top eight anymore. That's totally how you know girls would be with MySpace, and, but it was fun. It you know, MySpace. I just did yeah. a lot of nostalgia for that. So,
1: well, and I I probably wasn't as active on it as you. It was kind of the first time to be able to connect with some of my old friends online you know people that i'd grown up with or gone to college with and then at facebook i was like i'm not doing that facebook thing i even have a friend and she's like i will never do facebook and she's on facebook now by the way yeah. um and i i kept getting before i was on facebook i kept getting these invites to join facebook and i'm like ugh this is so annoying and finally i would it was quite a while and it was a guy i don't even know how how he sent me an invite. Cause I seriously was in youth group with him in junior high. Like I had not emailed or talked to him or anything. So I have no idea, but he sent me an invite and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go see what this whole thing is about. And I signed up in 2007. So I think I was Nice.
2: On, that's when I know. signed up really 2000. 2000- <laughs> well, no, it was probably 2006, but yeah, I was in high school. And the
1: great the great thing was, is that I had was not in touch with like people that I'd been in youth group with growing up or high school, not really, not a lot of high school friends that I would, you know, that I'm friends with on Facebook, but Mm -hmm. especially my college friends. That was really a lot of fun. And we actually have a Facebook group for those of us. I went to a small Bible college, so that's why. So for those of us who went to the school. And so, I mean, that it's. There, it's been a lot of fun with that. Sometimes I'm tired of Facebook, but yeah. well, we, have, we have a great topic today. We want to talk about Christmas as we're entering this Christmas season. And it's a topic that comes up often in the group. In fact, we have a Christmas designated post. It's something we do when a topic continues to come up. We'd say we do one post so we can have all the links and discussion in one place. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about it, and I know that some of you are wondering, you know, how should we approach Christmas as Christians, especially as reformed Christians? So we're gonna go to quick commercial and we're gonna come back and talk about
0: you. This podcast is a member of the Bible-thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi,
1: welcome
2: to Theology Gals. Welcome
0: everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology.
2: What is going on, guys? Shine his lights coming at you. Well,
0: welcome to Slick Answers. Good
2: evening and welcome to Conversations from the Port.
0: Hello and welcome to Living in the Vine. This is the Council of Google+. Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Twelve podcasts, one network. Check them out at BibleThumpingWingnut.com.
1: You've only been reformed for a few years, and so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, before we kind of get into this, if your views on Christmas have changed since you've
2: become Reformed? Uh, They have. They've changed in the last year, actually. Um, I was actually really baffled when, like, a year ago, I saw people talking about Christmas in Reformed groups and Reformed podcasts, saying things like, we choose not to celebrate Christmas, things like that. And I was like, Christians not celebrating Christmas? Like, I just, I grew up in the evangelical church, so that to me was just so bizarre, but after um, after studying it for myself, talking about it with my pastor, yeah, my my mind actually has changed on Christmas. Um, not not as far as other people's minds have changed, but it it shifted. Right, and I,
1: you know, I think maybe even before we we start, it might be good to kind of outline the different views that you might see among Reformed people and reform sure. groups. Yeah. Um, so what, what views, when you started seeing people talk about it, what views did you see?
2: Um, I saw the, I don't want to say extreme, like, I mean extreme in a bad way. I just mean it's the most, con- probably the most conservative view is we do not celebrate Christmas because it is a violation of the regular principle of worship to celebrate Christmas. And I, I honestly think, so I'll get back to what the other views are, but I think that was such a big deal last year. Two, because last year Christmas was on Sunday. So, and a lot of crazy things that happened last year with that. Um, So, yeah, that was the one I heard. Um, I heard, you know, Christians should not celebrate Christmas. And a lot of people were saying, "You're this is the first year we're choosing not to celebrate and things like that um, because it violates the regular principle. It was actually very challenging for me to really think about that. Um, Another view might be that, it's okay to celebrate Christmas as like a cultural holiday um, because it's a fun, you can give gifts, you can put up trees, you can decorate. It doesn't necessarily need to be a Christian holiday. Like that doesn't need to be brought brought into it. Uh, and if you're just celebrating it as a cultural holiday, then your church then would not be doing any kind of special Christmas service, Christmas Eve service, anything like that. And then of course the other view is that, and maybe Colleen, you can add a different one that I'm missing. But the other view is that um, Christmas is totally okay to celebrate and churches should have a Christmas service, uh, you know, Christmas Eve service anything like that those are good things so
1: So, and 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 when i did a a poll on twitter i kind of called it it's okay to celebrate it's okay to celebrate in the church and in the home it's okay to celebrate only in the home but not in the church um or it's not okay to celebrate at all so and you pretty much identified i think the one thing and we'll get into this is even for those of us, I will say that my view is that it should not be a church holiday, but I think that there are ex- acceptable. That does not mean that we keep Christ and the incarnation completely out of it, but it's not something mm-hmm. that we do not have a special worship service on Sunday to celebrate Christian Christmas because of our view on the regulative um, principle of worship, so I think maybe we'll just dive dive right into first looking at christmas as a religious holiday
2: sure
1: i thought i'd read something from the westminster confession of faith the acceptable way of worshiping the true god is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshiped according to the imaginations and devices of men and so when when we're talking about this we're talking about the regulative principle of worship Here, what and Ashley and I have said we need to do a whole episode just on that because it comes up so often but what we're talking about very specifically is Lord's Day worship services we're talking about the corporate worship of God on the Lord's Day and and so the reason why we we do not I mean I was surprised when I did my poll the greatest number of people, and I did say Reformed Christians, but I can't know for sure if that's who answered. The greatest number of people actually said it should be, I think it was the greatest number that said we should celebrate it in church and home. What does the regulative principle of worship have to do with whether or not we celebrate Christmas, whether we, you know, whether we do all all of the things if you go into a lutheran church a uh, catholic church and some other churches that follow the church calendar they they do this whole thing leading up to christmas this whole advent season because they actually have different sundays that are connected to the church calendar but we do not have that in our in mm-hmm. our churches so well Where does the regular principle of worship fit into this?
2: Well, so in what you just read uh, from the Westminster Confession, it says at the tail end, it says that he may not be worshiped according to the imaginations and devices of men. And I think we have to remember that Christmas isn't something that's in Scripture. It's something that, well, we can argue about the origins, I guess, later on. (laughs) Um, But I think most most of us see it as coming out of the Catholic tradition. And it was something um, created by the Catholic church, early church. Um, I, I know some of that is, is debatable. Uh, but it's something that was made up, you know, in order to worship God specifically, uh, worship Christ's birth. And that is coming from the imaginations of men. Because there's not there's not a place in scripture that says to do that
1: right exactly and we we worship god in our corporate worship the way that he has the way that he has told us to worship him i think where where a difference is going to come in uh we have ashley and i you and i have a friend who does not believe in in families you know does not believe that it should be celebrated privately either because she believes that the regulative principle of worship um should that 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 still applies to family celebrations, also,
2: right? And and that's and I asked that even in the group this week because I wanted to hear from people, and I have heard that from people that the RPW extends to family and personal worship, um, and most were saying they're convinced that it extends to the Lord's Day corporate worship only. Uh, So that's, you know, I think that's a discussion you have to have to really understand, well, how, where do I exactly fall on this regulative principle?
1: Right. And we won't get into that real deeply now because I think we're going to be planning a whole episode on regulative principle of worship. But there's nothing in scripture, even though Christmas is connected to a celebration of the incarnation and And Christ's birth, there is nothing in scripture which says we ought to celebrate that as part of our worship.
2: Mm -hmm. So, since, like, it, yeah, and I I think this all goes back to, like, do you hold to the regular principle? Because I can just see someone listening right now, like, kind of frustrated. Uh, If you do not hold to the regular principle, I feel like you're not gonna really find any of our, our arguments convincing for why we think why the confessions say what they do Um, because it all comes down to we worship God the way he's commanded and we don't add anything else
1: right I have a lot of great resources that I'm gonna be including in the notes this week but I loved this I forgot to put which one of the resources it's from but I will figure that out and mark it in the in the episode notes but I loved this it was the observance observances of popular american christianity are not binding not a binding model for our worship doctrine or practice and i think this that is such a great point because i think so much of what we see in american christianity is what the worship service has become a picture of is you know popular american stuff you know you have you have churches that are doing various things for the sake of entertainment and And look at these churches even that will take something that's very popular in culture and do a sermon series based on it even. If we are going to argue for the one who wants to argue for the celebration of Christmas in church, um, I think we need to have a very biblical reason to do so.
2: Yeah, and I do want to point out, someone has said this to me before, we have 52 Lord's Days a year and on those lord's days christ is being christ's birth and resurrection are being celebrated maybe not you know maybe not every sermon is about uh the incarnation or anything like that but that's what the lord's day is for is celebrating and so i think maybe that applies more to easter
1: uh
2: because people say oh when when are we going to celebrate christ's resurrection well we're doing that every sunday right lord's day so If if your church is properly worshiping, you're not losing anything by not not doing a Christmas service because Christ is celebrated every Sunday for 52 um, 52 Sundays of the year.
1: Right. And I I read one thing where this pastor who was writing about it was talking about how the things in which the – the things in the worship service where they're is Liberty it doesn't say exact like for instance it does not say exactly what passage your pastor must preach on and so he was saying you know if, if your pastor happens to preach on Luke 2 on a Sunday near Christmas there there's not anything that's wrong with that mm-hmm. so um, there there are things even within the regulative principle of worship it doesn't say when you have to take you know communion in the service
2: or, yes. or what time the service should start or right? what building it should be in. Right, exactly. I believe we call those circumstances. Right. But our church, we do a joint service on Christmas because uh, we can't use our building on Christmas Day. So I'm sure a lot of people, if, if your church rents on Christmas, you may not be able to use your, your building that day. So we do it with another church in our presbytery. And I know last year... The sermon was not on the Incarnation, but we did sing, I believe it was Joy to the World as a hymn, because it's somehow connected to the sermon. Because, you know, pastors usually pick hymns.
1: Right. Was that on it, a Sunday?
2: It was on a Sunday,
1: yeah. Oh, it was on a... Okay. Because I think the other thing we should mention is I know our church actually does a Christmas Eve service, as mm-hmm. long as it's not on a Sunday, but it is not it's not like a worship service
2: mm-hmm. like our
1: lords day worship services there is not there's not a call to worship there aren't sacraments
2: there right. you know and, and it's so not a requirement
1: and it's not a requirement yeah yeah and so that that is something that i know a lot of we actually have done some various joint services with churches in the area sometimes they do a thanksgiving service or a Christmas Eve service and stuff like that. So when we're talking about the church celebration, we're speaking specifically in regards to Lord's Day corporate worship. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so last year was an interesting year because Christmas did fall on Sunday. And it was, I mean, I think last year was really proof that we're living in a post-Christian society because of all the churches that closed the doors on Christmas.
1: That I've forgotten about
2: that. A lot of you remember it was just crazy. I have never seen that in my life. Like, you know, church, a church I grew up in closed their doors on Christmas and they just had Christmas Eve services on Saturday. And people were saying things like, oh, go go home and worship with your family, share the gospel with your neighbors. And I'm just like, whoa, we are really missing it really missing what, like, that's, and that's, that's an example of taking a man made thing like Christmas, and taking it way too far where it's completely about man. It's no longer even about anything to do with Jesus if you're canceling your church for Christmas. I know that's not even a topic we wanted to get into, right, but, but you know,
1: it was just unbelievable to me. I think it's a—it's actually a really important topic, Ashley, because I think what happened, I saw from a few churches, because some of those were floating around, these churches closing their doors, you know, we don't want to take away from your family time. Okay, mm-hmm. it, now you have to ask yourself, what thing is more important, your, your family time or the worship of God that he has commanded us to?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think that's, I, I think that is important. That's something that our churches are still going to have, you know, Lord's Day worship on mm-hmm. on Sundays if it's yeah. if Christmas is on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I I had a couple people ask is "Your church open on Christmas?" and I was saying, "Just another Lord's Day." Yeah, you know, just another Lord's Day. Of course, we're open. Like, unless there's a natural disaster, our church is open on Sunday. Right. You know. There's, there's no yeah. reason. We actually had it in a movie theater because that was where we could find space and it smelled like popcorn. <laughs> oh, yeah, my pastor just preached it in the movie theater. so
1: when th- we want to distinguish between the religious observance and private observance. And I actually have a great article by G.I. Williamson that was on the OPC website, and I think it's a really great article. I'm not going to read it, but he, he is against the, the celebration of Christmas, especially church. But he, he ends it and says, and now let me add one important caveat. I do not think that the strictest reformer ever questioned the right of an individual to celebrate the birth of Christ at a time and in a godly manner of his own choosing. I certainly do not question this right. If you want True. to exchange gifts or read Luke 2, or sing Silent Night on December 25th, then I have no quarrel with you at all. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I thought that was so interesting from somebody who has chosen no celebration whatsoever, mm-hmm. that he he has said, but I will respect your private celebrations.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's a good way to distinguish between what the church is doing and what you're doing in your own home and with your own family.
1: Right. So... You know, we we have we'll get into some traditions and stuff later, but you know, our family has things that we've always done. My husband and I did go through a period of questioning and when our kids were very little and reading a lot of stuff and some of these another article that I have on here, great article from that I'm going to be linking from a presbyterian pastor and he talks very strongly against celebrating it in church, but then he does talk about the liberty of celebrating it privately definitely check out the resources if this is something that that you are are interested. And in. I wrote another quote from that article. We must make a careful distinction between the religious observance of Christmas as a holy day and the observance of Christmas as our fa- in our families and homes. And I think that's what we see in the Catholic Church where Christmas has become an extra holy day.
2: Yeah. Where
1: Easter has become an extra holy day. Yeah. Even though that's usually on the Lord that's on the Lord's day, but or yeah. good they have other um, good, good Friday,
2: yeah,
1: and this is the thing that we believe to not be biblical to create an extra holy day.
2: Yeah, yep. I think you explained that really well. That I did read that G.I. Williamson article. That was very good. Yeah. So if you're someone, so that's that would be someone who falls into um, the category that I think you and I fall into, which is we don't think the church should have a church service, but we do celebrate it with our families. And so we do see that as a Christian liberty, that if you want to have your own private celebration with your family, that's totally acceptable. And we don't see it as a violation of the regular principle, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would agree. And the other thing I want to say, because I know that there are strong views on both sides of the should we celebrate, shouldn't we celebrate. But I want to say to those of you who do celebrate right now, that I think we equally need to be respectful of our brothers and sisters that that have chosen not to celebrate it at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, it, though I might disagree with them a little bit on the application of the regular principle, I respect that they're willing to take their conviction that seriously because I think Christmas is a very hard thing to give up if you've been raised celebrating it. Um, So I really respect the seriousness to which they take the worship of God. And I I think everyone should. So please don't antagonize them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, even if you disagree.
1: One thing I see sometimes on social media, and I think this happens quite a bit, is I think – When someone hears that somebody has a different view, it's easy to become defensive. So Mm -hmm. let's just say somebody says, well, I don't believe in celebrating Christmas. And the other person says, well, I think you should. It's very easy for either side to see that as a judgment upon them, having Mm -hmm. a different view. And I think sometimes that's just a misunderstanding because I think a lot of people are respectful of the views on things like this that others have.
2: Yeah. And so, someone can take a view that's more strict than yours. That doesn't mean they're judging you, and you need to be defensive. I think is what you're saying.
1: Right, exactly.
2: exactly. So, should we should we get into the origins of Christian of Christmas and common objections?
1: Yeah, I, w- you know, that there's a. I actually did not even put a lot about the origins because there's so much out there that you can read. But a lot of people and. Someone even asked me if we were going to respond to this. A lot of people say, "But, but Christmas has pagan roots." Mhm.
2: Yes, I definitely heard that. I usually hear that from non-Christian folks that are kind of like really? that are kind of yeah, they're kind of like laughing at Christians, like, "Ha, you guys think you're celebrating a holiday that's uh, Christian, but did you know it's actually pagan?" Yeah, that's I, I've heard it in a someone who's trying to put down Christians. That's yeah. not the context you've heard it.
1: No, I actually, I've heard it from people. I I know people that they are not reformed, but I know Christians who don't celebrate Christmas based on that argument. Hmm, that's
2: interesting. So I,
1: I've seen it in uh, in some of our homeschool groups. But I thought this was interesting, and I'm linking this article, but he, he talks about that. This pastor talks about that accusation, and he actually points to First Corinthians ten twenty three thirty three. He talks about how the issue was whether or not pagans or that Christians could eat meat that had been dedicated to an idol in a pagan worship service. And he said such meat was usually sold in the meat markets the next day or discounted. And so he actually talks about that and. And he said, Paul's reasoning, and of course in there, you know, Christians are, and you can also look at Romans 14, Christians have liberty to eat that meat. And he says, Paul's reasoning is clear. Everything belongs to God. And I think the other thing is too, there's so many different things in our world that can be part of our lives that we could look and say, but that has pagan roots. I mean, I even think about how and this might not seem like the same thing but i see it as similar there's this christian newspaper in southern california and they put out this thing every company that has some connection to supporting ungodly organizations okay this mm-hmm. was like a huge exhaustive list i looked at the list and i said so pretty much i can never eat again you know oh, you
2: like like you can't go to starbucks because they do this. You can't, that kind of thing. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: The list was exhaustive and I was like, wow. I mean, it was like craft and, um, just any, just all kinds of things, any, all kinds of companies that you can think of. And I think some, I think we have, we can actually come back and say that everything does does belong to God. Even if there are some pagan roots in, in some of this stuff, I, I don't think that anyone that's christian is celebrating christmas based on on those reasons
2: right and there's another really good quote from from that article that you you put here that the christian path in a given situation is not determined by choosing the opposite of what the wicked are doing we live by scripture we may eat the same meat that the wicked dedicate to idols we however dedicate it. To its rightful Lord, the Living God of Heaven and Earth, I believe Christmas, with its attendant gift-giving, feasting, and fun times, is a similar issue.
1: I th- I thought that was really great that that quote right there that that you just read.
2: Mm-hmm. So, if someone, and if you've got to think, there's a lot of people that celebrate Christmas with absolutely no Christian intention in their gift giving and it's just a family thing or whatever, you know, they, they can do that. And when we do it, we give gifts, you know, out of gratefulness and we just, the way we do things is just so different, you know, our hearts are different. And, and so, but it's, it's not like we can't do it because the culture has become, you know, Christmas has become so unchristianized and things like, that's not even a word, unchristianized, but I made it up right now. You know, like, cause I see a lot of complaints like that among Christians where like when I was growing up, people had stickers, bumper stickers on their car that said like, put the Christ back in Christmas. Um, and there's like a war on Christmas. And, you know, I think it's like, I don't really see the need for that. like. Right. we can we can just celebrate it you know out of our christian hearts um we don't need to like have bumper stickers and boycott starbucks and things like that because we feel like they're not you know celebrating right. the christian christmas
1: yeah that that's that's another good point and you you bring up really this kind of gets us into another objection that some Christians have, is, and that is that Christmas promotes materi- materialism.
2: Mm, right. Well, I I mean, obviously, like if you watch the, the ads, they're already on my TV. Um, but it also is like how you s- celebrate it with your family. I mean, right. wouldn't you say as a parent, Colleen, like you had to make a decision that it wasn't yeah. going to be just this material holiday where you're giving everybody you know 30 gifts yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: well and that's and my husband it my husband grew up with Christmas very different than I did and I did not get tons and tons of gifts he did and when I grew up my dad had converted from Orthodox Judaism, so we celebrated Hanukkah when I was growing up too, which was always kind of fun. Even though it's eight nights and you get a gift each night, of those eight nights, we would only get one large gift. And then mm-hmm. I mean, we might get some coins one night or um, some chocolate one night or these sorts of things. But what we did with, with our kids is generally speaking, we we get them one semi big gift and two small gifts, and we we always budget a certain amount. it's not an huge, huge amount. I mean, this year for Christmas, because I'll assume my kids aren't going to listen to the podcast, we're getting them each new beds. And so nice. one thing we we try to do is is get them things that they need. What i don't don't want to do is give them like way more than they than they need. But, but we also try to get them, you know, something that is is a special treat that maybe something that they've been wanting or something fun we've done things like we got my son benjamin um tickets to go see the sh- chicago blackhawks because he loves mm-hmm. hockey and so we try, try to do something that would be special and then maybe something that would be fun i try not to get socks and underwear for them my yeah my mother-in-law used to always get that for my husband so i don't do that but i think that you can And I think the other thing is trying to find ways to encourage your children to have more of an attitude of giving than receiving things that we have done is buy gifts for, for needy kids. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of organizations out there that you, you can buy gifts for military families or, um, the children of, of prisoners or you know different things like that and so one thing that we did especially when they were young was have them you know pick somebody around their age and go to the store with us and pick out something that they you know think someone their age would like and
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, sometimes those when you sign up for those like we have it'll give you gift ideas and stuff too but you know finding ways to emphasize giving and not making the gifts the number one aspect of Christmas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is, yes, is what I would say. Yes, I mean our whole country promotes materialism.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: if you want to just, if you want to just say it like it is, our whole country promotes materialism, and it's yeah. something that we we fight constantly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so another one, and this is one that you had brought up to me when we had talked, Ashley, and Christmas is Catholic. I mean, it means the Christ Mass.
2: Mm-hmm. So should
1: we really have anything to do with anything that's Catholic? And I do
2: want to say that was my, when I first started looking to Christmas, that was my first kind of objection. You know, anything Catholic, I don't want anything to do with it, you know? Right. So, yeah, that was my first, uh, you know, that's not really where I fall now, but that was my first objection. So
1: so what changed your mind?
2: The, the regular principle. Oh, I mean, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah just seeing it more from that perspective. because um, the people who say it's Catholic, I'm guessing they don't celebrate it at all. Would you say? Yeah,
1: yeah, they would say it's it's Catholic. it means Christ mass. and and one thing this pastor says from the article I've linked I'm linking is there's a lot of things that you could say, this is Catholic there, that is there Catholic. are good
2: things <laughs> there, there
1: are good things that are Catholic yeah. too but it, again, I actually think that this goes back to when we we're talking about the pagan roots is we are not when, when we're celebrating Christmas, we are not celebrating the Christ mass. you know that that's simply not what we're doing
2: yeah when we celebrate it yeah and, and so if we, we've already said we don't think this should be a church. Um, worship service, and so we're actually already kind of denying the Catholic part of it as being the Christ Mass, or you know, and having, having that, this extra holy day. It's like a really important Mass, um, you yeah. know. Um, but and so we're already kind of denying that aspect of it uh, by you know not um, not celebrating it with a, a big important worship service that's not on the Lord's Day, right? Because Catholics will go, I have a
1: lot, Not. I don't have a lot of Catholic friends, but the Catholic friends that I know, a lot of them will go to that midnight mass, mm. you know, that yeah. Christmas midnight mass. And, you know, yeah. that's like that for a lot of Catholics, it, that's an important aspect of Christmas is the mass. Mm-hmm.
2: We were, it was funny last year when we were um, walking into the movie theater for our Christmas service, which was so funny. Um, there was a lady getting out of her car, an older woman, and she said, "I heard there was mass here," and we were like, uh, "There's no mass, but there's church. Do you want to come in with us?" You know, and uh-huh. she ended up kind of shaking her head, like, "No, I want to go to mass." You know, um, and we were like, "Bummer." You know, <laughs> I was hoping she'd come in with us, but uh, I think also for a lot of Catholics that. I mean, for a lot of nominal Catholics, that's one of the only times throughout the year that they actually go to mass. Yeah, um, that is a lot of a lot of the Catholics I know that they're that are just really Catholic, you know, cultural. Right. they they're not serious about their Catholicism, um, which actually is true for a lot of evangelical churches yeah. as well. They're very full on Christmas and Easter. I believe Jean calls them Creasters. Because they only come on Christmas, <laughs> Christmas and Easter, and Easter. <laughs> so.
1: Well, uh, I think I think I know that, Ashley. I've not been able to go in great detail about this, but look at the articles, which is going to spend more time arguing what we are are trying to argue. But I wanted to bring up because this is another question that comes in the group, and that is Santa Claus. Yes. So, if we're doing it privately, should is it all right for us to, to tell our ki- kids that there's someone? uh named santa in the north pole that comes down the chimney on christmas eve
2: and so i personally think we shouldn't lie to our kids yes i think and we've talked about this yep. telling you, telling your kids about santa and saint nicholas and things like that and telling them kind of like fairy tales and well i guess saint nicholas is real so um, um but telling them just oh there's this this character that people made up and it's fun, you know, like, just, you know, some people believe that he's real, but he's not. I think that's fine. What do you think? Right.
1: Well, I, you know, I taught my children that Santa Claus is, you know, no different than Winnie the Pooh or, you know, some of these other characters that they like to watch. And, and we enjoyed watching. It's just a, a fun make-believe story. I yeah. I think I don't think many of our listeners are telling their children that Santa Claus exists. Um, mm-hmm. Just judging from the many conversations in our group about this, I think more often than not, the problem that a lot of young parents are running into is family being upset with them for not telling their children that Santa Claus is real. And that's something that we faced because my, my mother-in-law was very, very big into Santa Claus being real. Mm. And, and I think they told this previously a couple of weeks ago that, you know, my husband, when he found out Santa wasn't real, found out the Easter bunny wasn't real. He really thought that that may have been the case about Jesus too. Mm. And, you know, my kids have actually said, you know, thanks for not lying yeah, to us about Santa Claus. So I think you can have fun with Santa Claus, without, you know, making it lying to your children. You know, I we love watching some of the old Christmas movies, and yeah. my kids liked Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and and things like that. So it's just a fun story. I think the mm-hmm. hardest thing is trying to explain is your kids getting in trouble. Um, I was I was at the kids homeschool co-op and. This little girl, I was sitting with my son, who's, I think, in about second grade, and one of the girls from his class was sitting there, and she was telling me all about how she asked Santa for a puppy for Christmas, but her parents said that on gifts like that, that Santa has to actually check with the parents first to see if it's okay, Mm, and she's this very elaborate, elaborate story. And my son is like about to speak up and I'm like hitting him going, you know what? It's not your job <laughs> to, tell yeah. her, to tell her. Um, of course, that's that's the same son that announced at Homeschool Co-op, you know who the tooth fairy is, don't you? It's your mom.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: and but I, I would just say I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to lie to your kids about something. I think you can have, I think you can have fun and enjoy some of the traditions without, yeah, lying to your kids. Yeah,
2: and you know what? I have to say, my parents did tell me Santa was real. When I found out it wasn't traumatic, like I, I don't know what right. I found.
1: Right, and I don't that. think it is for most people. Yeah, so it wasn't
2: traumatic. You should so, probably say that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't look back. I'm not angry at <laughs> my parents. Yeah. Um, I just don't plan on doing that with my own. So Yeah. Well, I
1: thought we could talk just a little bit about just creating family traditions. I remember, you know, you're newly married. I, I've been married and have kids for a while. And I remember my husband and I, when we got married, kind of taking traditions from both of our families and bring it together to create our own traditions. And I think traditions are fun. You can do traditions, not just with Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, you can have other things. You know, you can have special things you do at birthdays or maybe something you do special in the spring. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. But if you are going to celebrate Christmas, I'll just share. My husband his his family was norwegian and so they celebrated the norwegian traditions my mom's family is swedish and even though my dad was a convert from orthodox judaism so he didn't have any christmas traditions so we did my mom so we were able to combine kind of our two scandinavian traditions so we actually opened gifts on christmas eve and i at first wanted to know how my husband's mom how did santa claus come on christmas eve but apparently Santa Claus came when they were at Christmas Eve church service. Oh,
2: so, okay.
1: Yeah, in case you didn't know. So, okay. we've just done a lot a lot of different things. Um on Christmas Eve, we always have a big Swedish smorgasbord. So, well, but what we do is we tie in some of the Norwegian food. So, there's a stuff called lefse, which is a it looks like a tortilla, doesn't taste anything like it, and it's a Norwegian t- potato bread. So, I actually put Swedish meatballs inside the Norwegian lefse and mm. we do we do not for anyone that is aware of lutefisk or lutefisk is the Norwegian pronunciation we do not my mom used to make it it's a horrible fish that's soaked in lye and it is awful mm. and it smells and so my mom used to make it but I don't let her bring it to my house so mm-hmm. you know it's it's fun to have different traditions with your kids or even if it's just you and your husband now you can have some some fun things that yeah. that you can do.
2: Yeah, we, we do. Um, my in-laws make a big thing of soup. There's a specific name for it, but now I can't think of it on Christmas Eve. And so we all go over on Christmas Eve to have this soup. That's really good. But my husband and I, this happened by accident, our first Christmas after we were married. Uh, we've been married six months, and I gave him the full... Star Wars set because it came out that year in like HD or whatever where you can buy all six as a oh, set. Mm-hmm. And so of course he opens it and was like, let's watch Empire Strikes Back, his favorite one. And so we started watching Empire Strikes Back. And then I love making crepes because I went to France when I was younger um, and just kind of fell in love with French culture in general. And so I usually make crepes, um, crepes on Christmas morning and we watch *Empire Strikes Back* while Fun. we open presents. So we haven't built a lot, uh, you know, our little family of two. Yeah. Uh, but for now, I really, I really enjoy that, and I love crepes. Um, yeah. So. Well, crepes are very similar to Swedish pancakes.
1: Yes. I mean, it's it's yeah. pretty much the same thing. So that's we do make those a lot mm-hmm. of times on Christmas morning. Um, very we easy actually- to make. Our traditions have even changed a little bit because we lived here without my parents or Brent's parents here for so long. And, you know, we sometimes we would go visit them. They would come visit us. But my parents moved here 10 years ago. And so now we have this tradition where it's Christmas Eve at our house because we open presents at our house. And so mm-hmm. usually more presents at our house. And then we do Christmas brunch as long as it's not Sunday at my parents' house and
2: yes oh i love brunch brunch is my favorite meal hands down and i i only get to have brunch like once in a while but it is just the best yeah it
1: it is and my mom my mom does a lot of a lot of great foods and we contribute some stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think it's fun and may either i would say to young since we have a lot of young families, you know, you can you can take some of the traditions that you grew up with, that your husband grew up with, maybe bring them into your own home. But you can also start your own traditions, like with what Ashley was saying. <laughs> you know, watching Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and and I I love it's, those kinds of traditions that kind of, you know, that kind of happen and you keep yeah. doing them. And
2: I think over the years, you just kind of develop more and more uh, you know, things just get added where something happens one year and you say, Oh, we should do this every year. You know, that kind of thing. Like, Oh, that was really fun. And yeah. And we, and,
1: ours even changed like as the kids got older you know where maybe what movies that we might watch and what mm-hmm. we also uh, this is actually something i do, well making lefsa is actually a new thing for us because my mother-in-law used to set, have a case of lefsa sent to us and it's expensive expensive if you have it sent to you because it's time consuming to make and my son wanted to make it he said i want to try to make it so we got all the different things to make it and so now we do that and then know we also love making cookies and fudge and and so I think it's a I think it's a lot of fun developing those traditions and for those who don't celebrate I've I've learned that a lot of times people who don't celebrate maybe have something that they do instead you know I've learned that with um with Halloween too that people said you know we don't celebrate Halloween but what we do is we watch the Luther keep the house dark so people don't ring our doorbell and we watch the Luther movie on Halloween or, Mm -hmm. you know, have something else that they do. So and we were only able to get just to a small amount of the information from the resources that we have. And if you are studying this, check out the resources because there's some really great stuff. And a lot of the articles are actually written by pastors and they're going to offer a lot of the arguments we talked about in more detail and and look at different passages of scripture and the confessions so definitely check out the resources so
2: we're gonna go one one thing i wanted to add too, uh now that i'm thinking about it is i know there's some people who are probably still a little confused by the regulative principle we are gonna do an episode on it i just want to say for myself personally, when I first heard about the regular principle, I said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then now I'm to the point where I'm like, I have to be in a church that, you know, applies the regular principle. So it's become just super, super important to me and my husband and our worship. And, and so, um, I guess stay tuned for our regular principle, uh, Episode that we are going to do. If you're still a little confused about why we take that as seriously as we do,
1: yeah. And I will even say that my husband and I attended Presbyterian churches. We're members of Presbyterian churches for seven years before we were even paedo Baptist because they held because they held to the regulative principle. Mm-hmm. And I I think a lot of Reformed Baptist churches do too. Okay, well, we'll be right back with our, yeah, about that.
0: Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at tractplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN.
1: So, I have been trying to, when I see some of this bad theology, I mean, you. You go online, you're gonna see some bad theology every once in a while, and so I've been trying to keep them because sometimes I'll think that would be great for our segment, but I, I forget to mm-hmm. screenshot it. But I, I did remember this week to screenshot it, so we'll see what you think about this, Ashley. You, okay. you are the 67th book of the Bible. You are a living epistle.
2: Yep. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, wow, that makes me feel so important. Don't you feel really important after hearing that?
1: Yeah, no, I feel That's... really
2: bothered. <laughs> yeah, no I, no, I know. I know, I know,
1: I know what you were saying. It's like so important that I'm, I'm that important. Yeah, I'm the sixty seventh. Yeah. But then, if I'm the sixty seventh, are you
2: the sixty seventh too, or are you the sixty eighth? Hmm. Yeah, as a math person, I'm a little bothered because we can't all be the 67th. That's right, we if can't. we're an
1: actual puzzle,
2: Yeah. And, and sure.
1: really, and in all seriousness, the reason why this is so problematic is, first of all, the 66 books of the Bible are God's Word,
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: are perfect. It, it, God's Word is infallible. Yeah. I am not perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and... Um, In Christ, I am, but... Yeah.
2: Um, Well, because I think a lot of people today will say, like, I had a message from God. God told me that kind of thing. as As if what they're saying is on the same level of, like, like, God literally said this, like, in Scripture. And so I think if you apply that theology, like, I could literally be, like... God told me this God told me to do this horrible thing or God told me this like I've heard people say like God told me to divorce my wife or things like this where you're like okay God would never tell you to do that you know Um, but even just you know less less serious things Um, like God told me to find someone in a grocery store with a yellow shirt I literally did hear this story recently God told me to find someone in a grocery store with a yellow shirt and to pray for them. I can't remember what it was, but it was something specific about them. And so this person went to grocery stores looking for someone in a yellow shirt to to pray for them because they they said God told them to do that. And they sincerely believed that that's what God said. So it's scary. You know, it's really scary stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and this actually did, I mean, this did come from someone who has some pretty disturbing theology and a lot of word of faith and mm-hmm. some of these different things. I think often those theologies, I, I've noticed that mm-hmm. with some of the hyper charismatic, where they really do elevate humans, mm-hmm. right? humans have a, a lot more importance and power in theirs, because you can actually have enough faith to make God do things that's how important you are Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it really is that same sort of thing where it really does I think it lessens the magnitude of sin yeah and it puts us on a pedestal that we do not belong
2: on right yeah I agree Um, and, and I think it's just forgetting too that God doesn't operate that way the canon is closed and right he's he's already revealed to us you know what what we need to know and i've heard someone say if you want to hear god speak open your bible can't think of who said that right now well um, i know justin
1: peter says something like if okay. if you want to hear god speak open your bible If you yeah. want to hear him speak out loud read out loud <laughs> read something out like loud.
2: that yeah i love justin Peters. so yeah um but that's something i don't know me as a Kind of ignorant evangelical, growing up, I would have totally bought that. <laughs> right. line and singer. I would have been like, "Oh, awesome!" You know, like that sounds uh-huh. really cool. It does sound really cool. You know, like it just makes right. me that makes me feel good. So it just and shows how deceptive it is. Um, yeah. You know.
1: So so often we hear these these things, and it might sound like it's okay, but the thing is, it is not. You know what? When in doubt, just quote scripture. Let's make sure that we're not just making up things about God that are not no. consistent with scripture.
2: Because
1: I think that's basically what's happening. And I see it a lot out there on Twitter from some of these teachers where literally they're making things up. This mm-hmm. is not biblical stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so beware of, of bad doctrine. And Be there's sisters. a temptation
2: on Twitter too. As there is on Facebook, Instagram, etc., to say something that's catchy enough to get enough retweets and likes, you know. So, yeah, if, if they something that people will like enough, they might retweet it a ton of times and kind of boost your own ego, you know. So, I think as Christians, we need to watch our hearts, anyways, when we're posting on social media. Um, what are the our intentions in posting? Uh, you know, that kind of thing, because we could be doing it to to boost our own ego. Which the point I'm making is, like, no reformed person would say that.
1: Right, exactly.
2: But a reformed person might say something very truthful in a way to try to garner likes and retweets as well. So I I think we're just as prone to that kind of thing. Um, We just need to be careful.
1: Well, I don't get very many likes or retweets, but
2: me neither that's
1: okay hey yeah. well you did have that one time where you got all those bots that liked,
2: oh, like like that, so that was weird it was literally in a fraction of a second i got like 65 likes to my tweet and i was like what just happened because literally i've never had more than like
1: 10. And it wasn't even something that you probably would have thought of was going to garner a lot of. No,
2: it was actually, I was responding to someone and I said something about a New Balance shoe. And I got 65 <laughs> likes in a fraction of a second. And so it def- it's it was freaky. I was like, there was a rip in the space-time continuum. I don't even know how that's even possible. Um, but it was just... I guess they're constantly searching keywords. Yeah. Companies. And so because of And they have
1: computers that do it.
2: Yeah. So New Balance. I said something about New Balance and I got sixty-five likes. So so there you go. If you want to get a bunch of likes and retweets, just like post something about Nike or you know.
1: There you that'll, go. That'll
2: probably do it. Make you feel good. There. <laughs> um I was creeped out. I was like, what just happened? So. Yeah,
1: that was that. Was, I don't think I've ever gotten sixty-five likes on anything on Twitter. Yeah. I have on Facebook, but not not on you know, Twitter.
2: When I post pictures of my dog, I do get some good likes there. But it, I'm not saying yes. I've noticed. I'm not that. saying anything intelligent. It's just a picture of my dog, so it's not really me. It's it's Freya, but
1: she's a pretty. So dog. she's really
2: getting. Yeah, she's
1: getting the likes now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So I give her extra pats and extra treats when she gets lights. So
1: oh, way. so like, oh,
2: there you go. <laughs> extra treat. Yeah.
1: Well, as, as we've mentioned last week and I'm gonna mention again, Ashley and I could really use your support for some things that we would like to do with the podcast. So if you have enjoyed our podcast, I'd ask you can, to consider supporting us even a few dollars a month. And we're going to be coming up with some things for our supporters. So stay tuned for that. And you can find information. You can either go to patreon.com and look up Theology Gals or you can go to BibleThumpingWingNet.com. Click on Theology Gals on any episode and you'll see a link to our Patreon and also all of our contact information if you would like to contact us with with any feedback or episode ideas we're we're always taking different episode ideas that our listeners would like us to talk about so thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week